You always wow. have a seat right there. Please have Come a seat on in right over here. here. Have a seat there. Come on in over here. What is the most inspiring thing I ever said to you? Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp, Lord. I am the smartest man alive. This is Don't Fall For That, the only podcast that researches popular fads, side hustles, and straight up scams to help you decide if you should fall for that or not. Now, here's your host, Ali Moore. Hello, listeners. How is everybody doing today? I hope you are all having a great morning, afternoon, or night, or whatever time it is you happen to be tuning in at. Welcome to Don't Fall For That. I am your host, Ali Moore. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing quite a divisive subject, horoscopes. Now, out of all the things going on in the world today, this probably ranks near the bottom in terms of controversy, but I'll bet you anything if you took someone who basically worships their horoscope and someone who thinks horoscopes are complete nonsense and shut them both in a room, well, there would be some issues and maybe even some felony charges. So what's the deal with horoscopes? Why do they pop up everywhere in every newspaper and magazine and even on our social media? Do we need to know which architectural style we are based on our sign? Do people really believe in this stuff? And what the hell does Mercury in retrograde mean? And why do people love using that as an excuse to be a total dick? Well, stick around, friends, and you'll find out about the world of astrology. So here's something kind of exciting. It was my birthday recently. That's right, I am now 29. Now, I'm only mentioning this, not just because I'm having an existential crisis, as my 20s are quickly coming to an end, but... Because if you have a birthday around this time too, then you and I have something in common. That's right, we're Aquariuses. We are known for being super quirky and unique and of course creative. There are actually a lot of cool things about us. And sorry to the other 11 signs, or, or is it 12 now? But right now, this is gonna be about us. Our day is Saturday and the signs we are most compatible with are Leos and Sagittariuses, which is great news because my husband is a Leo so we'll probably make it and not get divorced because we're not compatible due to our signs. Some things Aquarius as hate are boring conversations, being lonely, broken promises, and limitations. We also love having fun with friends, helping others, fighting for causes, intellectual conversations, and we are great listeners. Does this sound like you too, all my fellow Aquariuses? I'm guessing so. But wait, hold on. It, isn't it true that most people hate boring conversations, and most people like having fun with their friends. You know, now that I think about it, these likes and dislikes seem almost universal, despite your astrological sign. So have I been lied to this whole time? Am I really not as unique and creative as I thought I was? Well, today we're going to discuss astrology, horoscopes, and the zodiac. Not, not the killer, the normal zodiac. We're also going to talk star charts, professional astrologists, and why the hell anyone still cares about this ancient quote-unquote science. Just because we all know our sign doesn't mean we really know much else about astrology or horoscope. Well, buckle up, listeners, because I'm here to tell you all about it. Astrology is classified as a pseudoscience that claims to derive information about human affairs and terrestrial events by studying the movements and relative positions of celestial objects. A horoscope is an astrological chart or diagram 
representing the positions of the sun, moon, planets, astrological aspects, and sensitive angles at the time of an event, such as the moment of a person's birth. Thanks, Wikipedia. Horoscopes go a lot deeper than just your sign, though. Here's the full rundown. First is your sun sign, the sign that most of us are familiar with. Your sun sign refers to the period of the year when the sun is passing through one of 12 30-degree celestial zones and named after their nearby constellation. So, for example, if you're born in the period when the sun is passing through the constellation Capricornus, which is roughly December 22nd to January 19th, then that makes your sun sign Capricorn. Following your sun sign is the moon sign, the Mercury sign, Venus sign, Mars sign, and then all the other planets are also involved. I'm sorry, I kind of zoned out by this point. But don't worry, they didn't exclude poor little no longer a planet Pluto, so one point for astrology. There's also something called the Lilith, and then the North Node, and the Houses, all the way up to House 12, and your Ascendant. Okay, confused yet? Yeah, me too. Welcome to the club. All of these astrological aspects are all dependent on the date of your birth, what time you were born, and where you were born, like the specific coordinates of your birthplace. So what happens if the time that's recorded on your birth certificate is incorrect? Does this throw things off and make you have a star chart that's completely inaccurate? I'm honestly not sure, but I know that it's pretty common to have your birth time be not exactly the time you were actually born. So there's some food for thought, friends. You can find your horoscope in most major newspapers in the United States. Papers like the New York Post, the Washington Post, and the Seattle Times. You can also read your horoscope in magazines like Cosmo and Elle. In today's world, horoscopes pretty much just exist to tell us if we're going to need to reach out to a friend today, which was my actual horoscope today. Horoscope writers, I don't have friends. It's a little rude. Or if a deadline is approaching and we need to buckle down. But astrology used to be a well-respected science. We also used to think the world was flat. I know, I know, some people still do, but I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Astrology first emerged around 3000 BC as a way to predict the seasons. Until the 17th century, astrology was considered a scholarly tradition, and it helped drive the development of astronomy. It was commonly accepted in political and cultural circles, and some of its concepts were used in traditional studies like alchemy, meteorology, and medicine. By the end of the 17th century, emerging scientific concepts in astronomy, like the fact that the planets, including Earth, revolved around the sun, and that Earth was no longer the center of the universe, undermined the theoretical basis of astrology, and it lost its academic standing, becoming known instead as a pseudoscience. Astrology did not make another emergence, at least in the United States, until the 20th century. The very first horoscope was printed in the Sunday Express on August 24, 1930. They started with just one horoscope reading for Princess Margaret Rose. The star chart was presented in the paper by R.H. Naylor, a rising astrologist. In his chart, Naylor claimed that Princess Margaret would have a very eventful life. But she was a princess, so that's not really a hot take. If he had predicted that little old Farmer Joe down the street would have an eventful life, and then he did, maybe he would have been onto something. But actually, that kind of did happen. Naylor went on to predict that a British aircraft will be in danger between October 8th and 15th, 
When British airship R101 crashed outside of Paris on October 5th, killing 48 of the 54 people on board, the tragedy was taken as an eerie evidence of Naylor's predictive skill. The editor of the paper offered him a weekly column after his prediction, because I guess the fifth was close enough. People began tuning into the new horoscope column with bated breath, waiting for Naylor's next prediction to come true. The editor did have one important condition, though. You gotta be a little bit more upbeat. No more of this death stuff, because that's just not the look we're going for here at the Sunday Express. The column offered advice to people whose birthdays fell that week. But Naylor realized that he needed something that could apply to larger volumes of readers. By 1937, he began using star signs, which we know as sun signs, the familiar zodiac sign that we all see to this day. Nowadays, over 75% of adults have read their horoscope at least once, and roughly 25% of those adults actually believe in astrology. And a small percentage of those people actually attend one-on-one readings. There is another part of astrology known to the Western world as Chinese astrology. Unlike the horoscopes that we have become accustomed to, the ones that are based on the day and month of our birth, Chinese astrology is based on your birth year. Every year is represented by a different animal. For example, this year, 2021, is the year of the ox. Each year has its own prediction, and every person born in that year, so for example this year, is an ox under the Chinese zodiac. Some of the animals, like the rat, the snake, the dog, the pig, aren't normally well-liked in Chinese culture. But, as a zodiac, their positive traits are bestowed on people born that year. However, your zodiac year is also seen as bad luck, so every 12 years is an unlucky year. These years are also seen as a time of rebirth, though, so it's not all bad. We all knew how much of a shit show 2020 was for the entire world, and last year was the year of the rat. Maybe it's a little more accurate than I had originally thought. Astrology is practiced on a larger scale in China due to the fact that astrology aligns more closely with quite a bit of popular Chinese philosophical beliefs. Also, over 90% of Chinese adults pay attention to their horoscopes, and over 30% regularly consult their horoscopes. Horoscopes in China often influence big decisions, like who to hire, who to date, who to befriend, and so much more, with astrological signs serving, like they do in the United States, as markers of personality. So your animal can decide your career, your health, and your relationship success, but the Chinese zodiac is even more broad. So every single person born during the same year should have the same outcomes, same job prospects, the same relationship advice? Doubtful. But does that make the Chinese New Year any less fun or the tradition any less valuable? No and no. Some people take their horoscope so seriously that it dictates important decisions in their lives. If you were around in the early days of YouTube, you might remember beauty guru Michelle Fan. Fan now owns her own cosmetic company called M. During the hiring process, Fan asks prospective hires what their astrological sign is. But it doesn't stop there. In an interview with The Cut magazine, Fan explained that she wanted a very nice, diverse astrological place. If I have a team of water signs, she said, it's going to be too emotional, too volatile. Or if I have too many earth signs, it will be too grounded. If I have too many fire signs, it will be too volatile. Everyone will be competing. She continued by saying, I'm an Aries and Sagittarius rising, so I need spontaneity or else I just become really bored. So here's the problem with hiring based on astrological signs. 
this is technically a type of discrimination. I know, I know, but stick with me here. If there are two candidates and one is more qualified than the other, but that candidate is a sign that conflicts with the team, then they may be passed on for no other reason than that. This is also a type of discrimination that is not legally protected. So technically, companies can legally pass on you based on nothing more than where the stars and planets were on the day of your birth. At the end of the day, that's their right. But you probably wouldn't want to work for a company that makes its decisions based on the stars anyway. It's not just employment that is affected by this thinking. Have you ever been on a date where somebody asks you, what's your sign? I have. And when I responded, Aquarius, my date visibly recoiled and said, oh, I'm a Scorpio. We then just sort of sat there for the remainder of the date in awkward silence. And that's definitely some bullshit a Scorpio would pull. Just kidding, just kidding. I laugh thinking about the whole thing now because to me it's just so ridiculous that this one aspect of a person would totally disqualify them from being a good potential partner. In the end, I'm really glad that happened, but it's still not any less crazy to me. Some people even plan their pregnancies around their child's potential astrological sign. Author Tonalyn Horing claimed that when she was pregnant, she did not want her son to come early because, as she said, I want him to be a Taurus. She even told her friends, if he comes now, he will be an Aries, and I'm just not sure my husband and I can handle that. They can be kind of fiery. She continued, it's just that I'm a Virgo, and my husband is a Scorpio, and a Taurus would be better for us. She said, listening to myself explain my optimum choice of astrological sign for my soon-to-be-born son made me think, am I crazy? Tonalyn, yes, yes, you are crazy. Other people like to exclude potential friends and roommates based on their zodiac sign. Take this slightly hilarious example. Someone posted an ad on Facebook looking for a roommate, and they got a few responses. One woman didn't get a response back for a while, and when she followed up with the original poster, Asking if they had found a roommate yet, the poster said the following. Hey, Christine. Sorry I haven't responded earlier. My main concern is that you're a Capricorn. This was a problem, they explained, because their main goal is to keep their home egalitarian, and they don't want anyone doming the household. And while they love Capricorns, they just don't think that they could live with one. Jonathan Kainer, the prominent astrologer who writes one of Britain's most read horoscope columns for the Daily Mail, said... The only phenomenon in astrology allowing you to make wild generalizations about everybody born in this period to that period every year without fail is the sun sign. Even Kainer admits that his success rests in not saying too much. He says, The art of writing a successful horoscope column probably confirms what all too many skeptics and cynics believe, because it's writing ability that makes a horoscope column believable. Ultimately, a successful column will avoid specifics wherever possible. You develop the art of being vague. But he's just a column writer, after all. He's not really a professional astrologist. He's more of a sellout than anything, right? Do you guys remember all the parts of the star chart? Yeah, I don't either. The star chart is supposed to be much more personalized, but it's incredibly hard for the average person to understand, let alone correctly read. Enter astrologists. I had every intention of getting my own star chart read by one of these professionals until I came across an article on medium.com. Yeah, that kind of medium. Not what my old professors would deem credible. Anyway, that stated that you should be paying at least $250 for a reading. 
My skeptical ass was not ready to do that. And I knew that if I spent the amount I was willing to spend, like 20 bucks, pro-astrology people would claim that I got a less than professional reading and that's why it was incorrect. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? But if we have to hire someone to understand astrology, is that kind of scammy? Or is it just a normal professional service that is not at all like the dollar a minute psychic calls? One of the biggest arguments those who believe in astrology make is that non-believers just don't know enough about astrology. We aren't educated enough, as it takes years to learn. And there is also a learning curve. And if you don't agree with your star chart, well then you just don't understand it. Or the person interpreting your star chart isn't educated enough. Or you just aren't open to astrology. Or the stars just hate you and you're a sad, pessimistic person. Guys, I'm already exhausted. So if I wanted some professional help in understanding my birth chart, it's going to cost me a pretty penny. Thanks to the subreddit r astrology, I found a handful of professional readers that came recommended. These astrologists all charged, on average, at least $150 for each one-hour reading. Clearly, I'm in the wrong field. I found my would-be favorite astrologist by googling hire astrologer for star chart reading, and she was the first one to pop up. Her SEO team is on point. This astrologer must really be something because she charges $360 for an hour reading. But she's booked out as far as the eye can see, so you can get a reading from another trusted reader for just $200. Okay, starting at $200. Our lovely astrologer also teaches classes like the Cosmic Clinic, which meets every other Tuesday and only costs $99 a month. If you're really lost, you can also get a monthly reading subscription, and a year of these readings is a bargain at just $3,600. And if you really want somewhere to talk about your alien abduction with people who just get you, then you can attend a retreat for just $1,480, not including the price of airfare. During this retreat, you'll be taught by wonderful and educated astrologers and also taught by nature herself. Cue the annoying voice. Join us for a spectacular immersion into nature while gaining wisdom from daily experiential astrology workshops and wisdom from nature herself. There will be waterfall hikes and swimming, paddleboarding, exploring the village, paragliding, sailing excursions, fresh and clean Mexican food, and homemade tropical smoothies every day. Relaxing on the beach, stargazing, shamanic journeying, yoga, and meditation. The place is eco-lux at its core and part of a permaculture community. Elegant, artistic, and pure love put into every detail in your casitas where you will reside. Okay, look, nature doesn't want any part of this, guys. Don't drag her into this. She's dealing with a lot right now. Okay, knock it off. So to deeply understand astrology, you're either going to need to spend years studying it or you're going to need to pay for it. I guess it is what it is. I want to take just a second to introduce you all to a new podcast called Impolite Society. Here are hosts Laura and Rachel to tell you a little bit more. Hey, Laura, can I ask you kind of a rude question? That's what we're here for. This is Impolite Society, the podcast that explores the topics you've been told not to talk about. That's right. We explore cultural taboos, morbid curiosities, and the stuff you should probably know by now. So join us as we ask the questions your mom told you never to ask. Like, how much do you make? 
the questions you're dying to know the answers to but are too afraid to ask, like, is it normal to spy on your spouse? And the questions you never knew you needed the answers to, like, why is animated porn so popular? <laughs> New episodes come out every other Monday, and you can find Impolite Society wherever you get your podcast. So buckle in and let's discuss the topics that won't fly in polite society. Remember when I defined astrology as a pseudoscience? Well, what even is a pseudoscience? It's defined as a set of statements, beliefs, or practices that claim to be both scientific and factual, but are incompatible with the scientific method. A few people in the astrological community misrepresent the term and believe it's something that has not yet been proven by science, which is actually called a theory. A few other common beliefs or practices deemed pseudoscience include feng shui, most types of alternative medicine, and hypnosis. You might be thinking, okay, Ali, so here's the thing. By your logic, does that not mean that just because something cannot be proven by science, it does not and cannot exist? To which I say, absolutely not. For example, the existence of a human soul cannot be scientifically proven, yet it is still a commonly held belief that I would never consider a don't fall for that topic. Additionally, most aspects of religion, at least in my opinion, do not cloak themselves as a science, but rather as faith. If astrology were to make claims based in beliefs or faith rather than science, well, we might have a different episode today. Instead, astrology was a useful science until it was replaced by more accurate forms hundreds of years ago. I would consider it similar to those who still believe in flat earth, but that would be a little unfair and pretty insulting to astrologists and those who are involved in astrology. So you're a Pisces. Well, maybe not. Astrological signs were originally calculated around 3000 BC, and it's safe to say that since then, some things have changed. That includes the location of the vernal equinox, or what some astrologers call the zero point. Unbeknownst to the ancient astrologers, Earth continually wobbles around its axis in a 25,800-year cycle. This wobble, called precession, is caused by the gravitational attraction of the moon on Earth's equatorial bulge. Over the past two and a half millennia, this wobble has caused the intersection point between the celestial equator and the ecliptic to move west along the ecliptic by 36 degrees, or almost exactly one-tenth of the way around, to the border of Pisces and Aquarius. What does this mean? Well, it means that the signs have slipped one-tenth or almost one whole month of the way around the sky to the west relative to the stars beyond. For instance, those born between March 21st and April 19th consider themselves to be Aries. But today, the sun is no longer within the constellation of Aries during that period. From March 11th to April 18th, the sun is actually in the constellation of Pisces. Remember how I was so unique and creative as an Aquarius? Well, now I'm an ambitious and bullheaded Capricorn and suddenly that one guy from Facebook doesn't want to be my roommate. I feel your pain, Christine. Some people still argue that this shift is incorrect and that there was actually a 13th zodiac back in the Babylonian times called Ophiuchus. But then NASA shut that idea down. Regardless, Snopes.com concluded that the astrological shift is most likely correct and that the sign you thought you were your entire life, well, you aren't really that sign anymore. Sorry, everyone. So does that make anyone who follows astrology or their horoscope a complete idiot? No. In fact, my own mom follows astrology pretty closely, especially the Chinese zodiac. 
So much so that she used to tell me before I was married that I need to date someone three years older than myself so that we would be compatible based on our Chinese zodiac. And do I sound like someone who would call my own mother an idiot? No. But here's the thing. If you believe in astrology, even just a little bit, it's likely due to these three reasons. The first reason is simply for entertainment. It's fun reading your horoscope, just like it's fun to see what the fortune cookie says when you go out for Chinese food. Do you base your life on what the fortune cookie said? Probably not. And you probably don't base your life on your horoscope either. But that doesn't mean it's not fun to skim through from time to time. Sometimes it might be accurate, and hey, that's even more exciting. Another reason people follow astrology, or put importance in their zodiac sign, is for a sense of control. Life is unpredictable, and that is really scary. At their heart, horoscopes are a way to offset the uncertainty of daily life. If the best prediction you've got is still complete rubbish or baseless, it's better than nothing at all. If you have no way of controlling the weather, you'll continue to do incantations and dances because the alternative is doing nothing, and people hate doing nothing. Another reason is due to what is known as the Forer effect. The why people continue to read, and more importantly place credibility in their horoscopes, is most often explained by psychologist Bertram Forer's classic 1948 self-validation study. Forer gave his students a personality test, followed by a description of their personality that was supposedly based on the results of the test. In reality, there was only one description that was cobbled together from newspaper horoscopes, and everyone received the same one. Forer then asked students to rate the accuracy of their personality test on a scale from 0 to 5. The description's accuracy actually got an average score of 4.26, which is incredibly remarkable. Forer's observation was quickly dubbed the Forer effect and has been replicated in other settings time and time again. In Forer's study, he used overly generalized statements that often sounded something like this. You have a great deal of unused capacity, which you have not yet turned to your advantage. Or, while you have some personality weaknesses, you are generally able to compensate for them. And my personal favorite, at times you are extroverted, affable, sociable, while at other times you are introverted, weary, reserved. Is there any other way to be that I'm not aware of? You're covering the entire spectrum there. The Forer effect is also sometimes referred to as the Barnum effect, after the famous showman P.T. Barnum, and his claim that his shows had something for everyone. People who read their horoscopes are often invested in making their horoscope correct for them. Most days have good and bad things in them, and depending on how you see things or what you're told, that's what you're going to expect. So if you read that something good is going to happen that day and something does, well then that's confirmation. At the end of the day, humans are social creatures who yearn to find meaning while being part of society. Horoscopes are just another aspect of grouping that helps people feel like they belong. If you're talking with a new friend and they mention they're a Gemini, and hey, you're a Gemini too, well now you guys have bonded on a similarity. It also helps people find themselves in a way. Even if it's more of a placebo effect than anything, that can be helpful for some people, and you know, that's enough for me. The issue is when we make decisions based only on our horoscope. And when we define ourselves based only on our star chart, when we spend $350 for someone else to tell us who we are, that's the problem. Self-discovery is great. And if astrology helps you in that sense, well, that's great too. But what astrology is to science, monopoly is to real estate. And I hope to God you aren't learning the ins and outs of the real estate market while suffering through an endless game of monopoly with your family because the power went out and there's nothing else to do. But if you do happen to be playing Monopoly, then buy orange and red properties. Trust me.
here's something that might come as a little surprise. I enjoy astrology. I find it entertaining, and I love a lot of the artwork that people make of the zodiac signs. Star charts are cool too. And I'm always looking at things that say like, what is your hairstyle based on your sign? I know it means nothing, but it's fun. And that's all it should be. And for the rest of it, well, don't fall for that. If you enjoyed today's podcast, then please do not forget to rate us or subscribe to us or both on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It really means so much to me to read those reviews or to see if I got a new five-star review. It really makes my entire week. Also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at DFFD Podcast. We are on Twitter now too. I don't know how to use that, but we're also at DFFT Podcast on Twitter. All transcripts and sources used for this episode are under the episodes tab on dfftpodcast.com. Last thing, please don't go, please don't, please don't go. Please don't forget to check out Impolite Society Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you guys so much for being here. You are the absolute best. Next week, we are having a special Valentine's Day edition of Don't Fall For That, where we will be covering a multitude of romance scams. So make sure you are here next week. Until then, don't fall for that. Bye. Man, my star chart is so wrong. So my moon sign is in Scorpio, and that this means I'm courageous, brave, independent, and not fearful in nature. Okay, ask my multiple anxiety disorders if this is true. My moon sign, my moon sign also says I love children. Hmm. I like my own kid. Does that count? Hey, Benji. <laughs> what are you, sweetheart? Hi, baby. Are you a Libra? Yeah. Does that mean you're gonna be a pain? No? Okay, good.